The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. With so many people living longer, the fear of outliving your money becomes a reality for many of us. Will I be a financial burden? Will I outlive my money? How will I be remembered? My name is Neil Himmelstein, President of Main Street Planning Group. Please contact me by visiting MainStreetPlanningGroup.com, that's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com, or call 631-647-4694. I will introduce you to strategies that will guarantee you will not outlive your money, that can guarantee you will not be a burden on your loved ones. Through a collaborative approach, we will uncover solutions that offer tax-efficient strategies, lifetime income, and legacy planning, choice, organization, direction, and education. That is the code we stand behind. Contact MainStreetPlanningGroup.com. That's MainStreetPlanningGroup.com or call 631-647-4694. And listen to me every Friday at 3 p.m. as I host the Main Street Code for Financial Success right here on 103.9 LI News Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein, and you can hear me every Friday at 3 o'clock or check me out on, if you have a podcast, you have Apple or Spotify, I record my episodes. You can catch the old episodes there and any new episodes that you might want to hear uh, if you can't catch us at 3 o'clock. And we talk about our code, which is choice. Organization, direction, and education. It's the only way I can remember it is by having an acronym, you know, code, choice, organ, you know, one of those things. And we are the Main Street Code. And my firm is Main Street Planning Group, and we're an independent wholesaler uh, representing 30 different insurance companies in the areas of life insurance, annuities, disability, and long-term care. We are experts in those areas. We have other insurance agents that not only listen to the show, that work with us, that bring their difficult cases to us, whether you have an underwriting situation or... They work with one carrier and they need another carrier. Or, and you want to work with an independent uh, agent or agency because, you know, not every policy is the same, whether it's whether even a term life insurance. You know, you talk about these things online about buying term life. And, you know, you hear these TV ads, buy term life, buy, buy this, buy that. But, you know, a lot of these companies... Uh, don't do what we do, and that is, one, is everybody's circumstances, whether it's their health, their age, is different, and every term policy is different, and a lot of these things that you buy online are like buying a car without wheels, because what happens is you buy a policy online, and you might need to convert it to something and it may not have any conversion privileges. Or they may see something online. You may think you're getting it quick and easy, but, you know, you had a bad heart test. And they say, ah, decline. And then all of a sudden, when that happens, they report that to the Medical Information Bureau. And then you try and get insurance with another carrier, and they're not going to carry you because you were declined by this carrier. Where if you came to us ahead of time, we would know what the situation, we know how to deal with it, and then we get you good insurance. So anyhow, that's why you reach out to the Main Street Planning Group, and you call us at 631-647-4694. And today, I'm so happy to have back with us Stephanie Alberts from Fercelli Deegan Toronto, LLP. Say hello, Stephanie. 
Good afternoon, Neil, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Right, and Stephanie is one of those great estate attorneys, and we're going to be doing a seminar, I think, in January, a public seminar that you guys can come to, and as soon as we firm up the date, we'll let you know. And and your your main office is in Uniondale, but I know you cover New York and New Jersey. You're licensed in both both states, and and um, she is a specialist in the area of estate tax um, uh, giving wills. Uh, guardianship, another issue that we'll talk a lot about. And today I want to talk about, uh, last time you were in the air, we talked about this gentleman who had a business, he had a gas station, and he wanted to distribute the assets equally to his children. Well, one of his four children uh, has an issue, a drug problem, Um, doesn't want to leave him wants to be equal and leave his child. And this is not uncommon, where one child is maybe um, maybe, maybe mentally has an issue, maybe, maybe has autism, or maybe has a drug issue, or maybe is not responsible, or um, uh, there's a big issue. And you want to leave them assets, but... Um, you don't want them to control the assets. Correct. You want to talk so, about that a little bit? Yes. Um, so uh, in those situations, and they very often do come up, and it, even if you want to leave assets to to that type of individual, what, what I would recommend is a trust. So I hear all the time people call me for a consult. I want to create a trust. And I say, well, why? Well, I don't know. Someone told me I need a trust. And most people don't really understand the concept of a trust. What is a trust? It is a legal document that sets forth how to manage the assets that you put in it. That's it. It's a set of rules on how to manage money. So if you have a beneficiary that is disabled or a beneficiary that does have a substance abuse problem, a beneficiary that has a creditor problem, marital issues, a spendthrift, you can create a trust and you put the assets that that beneficiary would inherit into that trust and it will say how those assets are to be managed and distributed to the beneficiary most often over time. With the exception of a disabled beneficiary, there is some flexibility that you can build into that trust document. But in my opinion, the most important decision when you want to create a trust is who or what institution do you trust enough to manage those assets because the concept of a trust is a really great one. Okay, these assets will be put aside for the benefit of that beneficiary, but who or what institution is going to decide how much and when those distributions are made? That's key. You you brought up a great point. And the other thing about a trust is is that somebody actively manages that trust even while you're alive called a fiduciary. Mm-hmm. Would you tell everybody what a fiduciary is and what their responsibilities are? So a fiduciary is the person tasked with the role of prudently managing the assets in the trust. They are tasked with following the guidelines set forth in the trust, but also preserving and protecting and maintaining the assets for the benefit of the beneficiary. If there, it's a more discretionary trust, meaning that the trust says that the fiduciary can distribute assets in his or her discretion, then the fiduciary or the trustee in that situation is tasked with determining whether a request is reasonable. The the beneficiary wants to go on vacation to Europe. Is that a prudent use of this money? The beneficiary would like to purchase a home. Is, Is that is that 
reasonable? Is that rational? Or should we rent a home? So it is a big responsibility. Being a fiduciary should not be taken lightly. And my recommendation is that if you are a fiduciary, that you surround yourself with a good team of professionals. You do not have to be an attorney, an accountant, a CPA, a financial advisor to be a fiduciary. But I think the best thing you can do is find yourself an attorney, an accountant, a financial professional. Lean on those professionals for advice. A financial professional can tell you how to prudently invest. An attorney can tell you what you can and cannot do legally. An accountant can make sure that all taxes are paid, all filings are done. Do not think you can do it yourself. Surround yourself with people that can ensure you right. can do it. And, and you bring up a good point. And as a fiduciary, you have certain responsibilities. Uh, for instance, you know, in a life insurance trust, that fiduciary basically gets the bills and pays on the benefit of the trust and make sure that policy doesn't lapse. And I think uh, even if you have, I see a lot of life insurance trusts where um, people don't know whether the, whether it's been paid or it hasn't been paid. But more importantly, I see a lot of attorney's offices, with all due respect, not, not Stephanie in her office, but they don't keep the eye on the ball. They may be a fiduciary. They don't really know what's the inside and outside of that life insurance policy, if it's been funded correctly or not funded. And I recommend attorney's office to call me all the time to look at those policies, look at the details. Why? Because back in the 80s, when people took out a lot of insurance policies, um, interest rates were ridiculously high. Okay? And their policy, their cash value policy was dependent on that policy performing and in their minds at a certain rate of return and that rate of return didn't happen so what happened is these policies became unfunded or not funded enough and they start to crash and if that policy crashes not only do you lose insurance but you potentially could have a big tax as well so we do a lot of saving of policies uh, we have certain strategies where we can rescue those policies, whether they're in a trust or outside a trust. It's a real thing that happens. So you got to be very careful. A, if you're a fiduciary and you're signing on that line, you can be legally responsible in some in, in some means. So if it's in your attorney's office and they're not watching they're watching what's going on, they could potentially be sued if something happens. So you have to be very careful as a fiduciary, and you have to choose wisely and make sure you know what you're doing as a fiduciary. And, and a fiduciary role is a big responsibility and very important. The other thing that we talk about, and we're going to talk about after the break, is guardianship and the importance of establishing a good guardian and why and something you need to think about. You're listening to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. If you need to reach me, 631-647-4694. And Stephanie, how can they get a hold of you? You can reach me at 516-248-1700 or salberts at forcellilaw.com. Thank you very much, and we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Main Street Code for Financial Success. I'm your host, Neil Himmelstein. I'm here every Friday at 3. I'm here with Stephanie Albert. Stephanie is a partner at Fercelli Deegan Toronto LLP. She's licensed in New York and in New Jersey as an estate planning attorney, and we were talking before the break about the role of fiduciary, but another topic that always comes up or should be coming up 
is guardian. If you have young children or grandchildren and you don't want to leave them a gazillion dollars uh, for them just to spend or not care for or maybe they have special needs, you need a guardian. Mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about guardianship because I know it's an area of your specialty. It is. Thank you, Neil. So guardianship is such an important topic. If you're a young, you have young children in your will, you can designate who should take custody of those children should something happen to you. I think that's very important. So even if you feel that you don't have a significant enough net worth, that you don't need a will, which I disagree with, but I think is a very often misconception. Think of a will as a way to set forth your wishes as to where your children will go in the event of of your demise. Um, if you have a special needs child, I think guardianship should be at the top of your mind. Uh, once that, until that child is eighteen, you can control their directions, their decisions, their medical directives. But once that child is eighteen years old, that child is emancipated in the eyes of the law. So if they need a medical procedure, they're admitted into the hospital something happens you cannot make that decision just because you are that child's parent you need to have a guardianship order you need to be the person tasked with making those medical and health decisions on behalf of your disabled child if if you have a child that just turns 18 but is not disabled that child can put his or her own advanced directives in place but someone that is disabled and does not have the capacity to do that that is the purpose of the guardianship they They can give you the ability to talk to doctors, make doctor's appointments, decide what medication they should take, whether they should undergo a surgery. And you don't want to wait until something happens and you are told by an emergency room physician or a doctor, hey, I can't talk to you because at that point in time, the guardianship is not put in place overnight and and you'll run the risk of, you know, possible unforeseen consequence. So we urge uh, people to go for guardianship before your disabled child turns 18, just to ensure that you have it in place upon their 18th birthday. Right. Uh, planning is so important. The biggest other hurdle in planning is people who die without a will, where they don't have a notarized will. Mm-hmm. We were talking Very about. Often. We were talking about that. You know, if it's not notarized, or you can't find it, um, and there's no will, and there's any kind of assets and it goes to something called probate this is like this probate's like going to a nursing home <laughs> now tell me what the what probate is and just go into it a little bit and then you know i've got lots of stories with that but just yeah briefly talk about probate. So what is probate? A will is only a piece of paper until you pass away. It can be changed 10 minutes after it. It can be changed a year after, five years. But once someone dies and they have a will, and if there are assets that exist in that person's own name, their will has to be probated. It has to be taken to the surrogate's court in in the county in which you reside, and you have to ask the judge to declare this to be the last will and testament of the decedent. And that process can be simple. If you have you know all heirs at law that can that consent to the distribution of your assets but if you don't have that type of plan for example you want to disinherit a child you have not seen a child for many years there's missing or 
Most of it, you have no heirs. You don't know who your heirs are. Probate can be a daunting, time-consuming, and expensive process. So proper planning can ensure that maybe you can avoid that probate process. Um, if you don't have a will in the state of New York, you have to go through what we call an administration proceeding, and the law will dictate where your assets go. And very often, I think people are under a misconception as to where your assets go if you have no will. The biggest misconception I see is if you are married and you have children in New York and you die with assets in your own name, your assets do not go to your spouse. They are split between your spouse and your children. And if your children are minor children and you share them together with your spouse, that can be a nightmare and not what you intend to happen with your assets. We see it very often where especially these days where you get married later in life and maybe one spouse owned their home and came into the marriage with that home and then you get married, you start a family and that spouse passes away. The unintended consequence is now the surviving spouse and her minor children own that home together. Wow. So proper planning ensures that you don't have to go through that process and you can set forth your wishes. Now, since right. COVID, how long does that does it take to get to probate? I mean, <laughs> so I mean, let's talk about that because I'm I'm hearing horror stories like three months, six months, a year. I I don't know. Right now, if three months, I would say you're lucky. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, the timetable upon which you can get a decree of probate has has lengthened. Um, and again, how long probate takes depends on the circumstances. If everybody signs off and everybody's good, it could be three months, four months. If you have a will contest because you've disinherited a child or haven't treated a spouse properly in the eyes of that spouse, it could take years. So what happens? You have... I know a horror story. It took 20 years, but 22 years, actually. The longest case in Suffolk County, but and some people I know very well. But um, it can happen. So what happens? Okay, your parents pass away or something, and they leave a house. You can't find the will. It goes to probate, and maybe it's got a mortgage on it. And who's paying the mortgage? And what goes on while that year passes? And who's living there? And who's not living there? And... Give me an idea yeah. that's so some I, of the chaos. I, I, I mean, think, unfortunately, that is a reality that we see all too often because what we tell people, you're not responsible for the debts of the decedent. You do not have to go into your own pocket, even if you are the fiduciary. We'll go back to that if you're the executor of an estate. And most debts can wait to be paid until the executor has assets in his or her hands upon which to pay those bills. But the exception, in my mind, is a home. You don't want that home to go into foreclosure. So while you may not have a legal obligation, I tell people... If you can, then I would pay the mortgage, the carrying charges, the real estate taxes, keep the heat on in the winter months, make sure the grass is cut. You don't want a citation from the town. You you have to maintain that property, maybe not legally, but it's just for the preservation of the asset. So if probate takes a couple of months, it requires some, the executor to have his or her own funds in order to do that. If advancements, if advanced planning doesn't take place. For example, an account set up by you with jointly with maybe one or two of your children and you ensure that there's that money available upon your death without probate that your children can draw on to maintain your home. So there are ways to avoid uh, the executor having to go into his or her pocket. But You'll have to think about that and speak about that with an estate planning attorney so that you don't find yourself in a position where your executor has to use personal funds to preserve an asset pending probate. 
Yeah, this is all crazy stuff, but, you know, it, it happens. I mean, it happens every single day. Somebody loses a will. They don't have it secure. They don't have it. They don't have it. The signature on it. Or my favorite is the will is in the safe deposit box. Because oh. the safe deposit box is locked when someone you, when you pass away. So if a will is in a safe deposit box, it requires an additional proceeding to be brought in surrogate's court after your passing to open that box. So when we do wills in our office or any estate planning for that matter, we retain wills for clients. We want clients to know that their wills are safe, they're secured. We have a list. We have a key. So you don't ever have to wonder where that original will is. Your heirs don't have to wonder, did mom put it in the box under the bed or in the armoire in the spare bedroom? That takes all of that out of it. We give a copy with an original held by sticker and that at least eliminates the unknown. You just call up and we will tell you we have the will no, and it's there. That's big. And, I, I, you know, I actually went before a um, Department of Aging with, with an estate attorney and we talked about there is no required filing in the state no. of New York. And you'd think that, oh, I did my will, everything's done, or I did my trusts, and no, 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 these are big things. They are, they're very big things. Yes, and listen, you're listening to Main Street Code for Financial Success. We're going to commercial break in a second. Uh, If you need to reach me, Neil Himmelstein, 631-647-4694, or themainstreetcode.com. And Stephanie, how can they get a hold of you? You can reach me at 516-248-1700 or salberts at forcellilaw.com. Thank you, and have a great, great afternoon. We'll see you in a few minutes, and thank you for listening. opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.